Working Blind, sharing the stories of working blind people from across the globe. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Working Blind. I'm here with Martin Ralph who works at Guide Dogs. Martin, can you tell me a bit about your job? So my current role within Guide Dogs is technology services and skills lead. So what that basically means is I'm responsible for the design and development of uh, our technology services for our service users uh, in terms of um, obviously what we can offer as an organization and sight loss sector uh, support. So that entails first and foremost training our frontline staff um, in the usage of assistive technology and how that can work with client needs. So say for example if someone is working with a guided mobility instructor and they're a guide dog partnership and they discuss uh, an app should we say blinds uh yeah blind square or soundscape or something like that so generally speaking our gdmis in the past would not necessarily be able to have assisted with that uh but hopefully moving forward they actually will be able to assist with those type of queries and look at how technology can work uh side by side with guide dog partnerships and also um, on the My Guide front, which um, is obviously the, one of our other services, which is obviously humans matched with humans to assist in that um, sighting guiding aspect, and also our orientation mobility specialists, so the rehab workers, um, are able to then offer uh, quick support when they go in to assist somebody with doing new routes or using long cane. Uh, they're able to talk about mobility aids, smartphone apps things like that. So that's basically my role is to design that service, but also run it into delivery and ensure that everyone knows what they're, do- well, what, what they're talking about when it comes to technology, hopefully. <laughs> and is this something fairly new for guide dogs? Yeah. as um, So this role was created in 2018, I want to say. I'm so confused because it's 2020 and I, I don't even know how to- I don't even know what day it is. Uh, So, yeah, the role was created in 2018. I moved into this role in 2018 in October. Um, The team I sit within is called Skills Information Support Services. So um, Guide Dogs has our canine assisted services and the Skills and Info and Support Services. So that that is kind of a newer team built around the infrastructure that exists from my guide the children young people service and 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 that so it's the um away from the dog side but we completely support the dog side and everything else that happens to guide dogs as well yeah and do you think that this is a positive step i mean obviously this is your job so this is great for you but in terms of blindness and what it can give the organization to have that kind of more cohesiveness um within guide dogs so totally because obviously i know there's there has been conversations within the vi community in general about obviously the direction of guide dogs and obviously i'm not here to talk about that in general but in terms of my perspective is i love it i think guide dogs have been for want of a better term we we have been necessarily stuck in the 20th century when it comes to technology and actually we should be experts in the field especially when we're talking to you know people that have just acquired sight loss for example and actually they go well, guide dogs might be able to help me with the dog or whatever the case may be. So actually we can be the first point of call, uh, especially when it comes to acquired sight loss. So if we can be almost specialists in the field that can talk people through it, whilst ensuring that we'd get the right um, services for that person, 
it makes total sense. I mean, one of my cheesy, as it were, um, lines that I always use is, uh, I, you know, I myself as a guide dog owner is that technology and a guide dog is a recipe for independence. And that's one of the things I kind of always stick to and I've always kind of stuck to. I never picked up technology myself until properly until about 2013, 2014, I would say. I didn't use technology um, maybe as well as I should have done or could have done. Um, and working with a guide dog, you begin to realize, you know, as good as the dog is, finding the train station and helping you get around the platforms, things like that. Well, actually, you still need to know what train you're getting on. You still need to know if it's delayed or canceled. Or, and obviously, the way for us to access that is generally through a smartphone or an app or whatever. So, yeah, my, my, you know, that whole idea for me is, as you say, cohesion. It's all working together and it's finding all those bits that can make a successful partnership and create independence for an individual. Right. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And I guess as well with the state of the sector as it is in England, which we probably shouldn't go too much into, but guide dogs is for many people their only um, point of contact, really, even within the rehabilitation sector at the moment. Yeah, exactly. I was again without touching too <laughs> into that political territory. Yeah, no, and and that that is the case. I think you know we try and su- we support as far as guide dog partnerships. You know, I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but we have you know just over five thousand guide dog partnerships, and then we've got you know a couple of thousand my guide partnerships, and then we've got our children and young people, which I don't even want to guess the statistic on that one. Um, so you know we are supporting thousands of people, but you know guide dogs' main aim by 2023 is to, is to try and support 500,000 people, which obviously is a big ask. Oh, yeah, it's a big ask and it's a big thing for us to try and do. And obviously technology is one of those areas where we can really try and reach those numbers and we can definitely support more people. Whether that's online, whether that's face-to-face, as long as we still see that path that we're supporting somebody or even giving them just the right information or even pointing to somebody else that can help, that is the, you know, that, that is the key point. Um, Because one thing that I I advocate massively is, you know what, we are experts when it comes to dogs, you know, hands up and we we have a third, you know, almost a third of rehab workers working in guide dogs that exist in the UK. So we are experts on sight loss, but we don't know everything. And that's, you know, it's a really crucial point I think we need to remember is that there are other people that sometimes know, know you know situations better than us or there'll be some elements of technology that we don't quite know or it's not our it's not our expertise or specialism so it's remembering where those people are in the sight loss sector and ensure that we link that up um, correctly i think you know in ensuring that people get the right support at the right time which hasn't happened you know hands up you know as a person with sight loss hasn't happened uh, maybe correctly in the uk for a while now yeah i think i think it's been quite a long while <laughs> for being honest it hasn't just uh, got to that point it has been a while but yeah I would agree and I mean I think it's a positive step because like you said there was never really an emphasis on technology before I mean I know when I got a guide dog I had really really great services in terms of getting a dog but there was never any mention of anything else apart from some long cane training while I was waiting for a dog I think I think I didn't ask for it at the time I mean I'd grown up a technology user which helped but it was definitely that feeling of well it's someone else's job but then with the way things are who who was filling that role and I I guess guide dogs realized that they could fill that yeah and I think that's you know crucial that we remember that as well is that because obviously people 
such as myself and you who have gone through sight losses, you know, for, from a younger age, is that you pick up those skills, and those skill sets. And when you move through the transition phases is you have those skill sets and actually you don't ask for it if, sometimes if you maybe don't think you need it or actually, again, you don't think iDogs is the right place because you've received the support elsewhere in the past. And, you know, that's another thing that we need to work on definitely is, is almost that skill check of, are you okay with that piece of technology or do you want any more advice or is there anywhere we can help link that up? And I think that that's all the crucial bits of getting the right customer experience, I think, from end to end. You know, whether you be, whether you come to Guide Dogs as, from an acquired perspective, you know, obviously just succumbing to sight loss as it were, or whether, you know, you've, you've had since birth. So in general, whatever the case may be, is everyone has a different journey. And I think it's ensuring that everyone has a good, sound skill set to ensure independence and technology is definitely up there right i mean and i think as well the the, who do people think when they think blind people as in people who maybe haven't had a connection to blindness before they think guide dogs because that's the most visible um sign that's connected to blind people really so yeah it's it's, it's either that or rnib or no one thinks about their ECLO, so you know their eye clinically as an officer or or no one thinks of their local you know sight loss societies which you know is turned into a postcode lottery i suppose unfortunately but again without getting into that you know that and i think that's a crucial thing that you know we also want to do well i want to do in particular is making sure that we link up where that postcode lottery is and we know where those those support structures are so actually you know is ensuring that actually rather than utilize you know resources from the guide dogs perspective if people just aren't aware it's there we can go look you know it's here this is this is a support that also exists if you know and i think that's you know a key element that we work with all other third parties in you know in the sector and and obviously that's a mapping exercise of figuring out where's good where's great where's okay <laughs> where's not so because <laughs> in the northwest alone so i'm based in the northwest so i'm based in merseyside merseyside on its own is brilliant in terms of the provision in the sight loss sector in terms of you know sight loss in in the councils and local authorities it's fantastic but actually you step into cheshire which is only the next county cheshire east in particular they've got less support in that in that side of things and even cheshire west they have less technology support but then you go back over the boundary again and, and you're looking at um towards uh greater manchester and you've got the likes of henshaws and then it, it then just turns into a you know it's a perfect example northwest there you go you've got two great areas in merseyside and greater manchester and you go oh cheshire you know and that that's where where the gaps need to be filled in the sector um you know ensuring that that blanket is is there well then hopefully resources can be spread more evenly rather than just those you know great areas exactly so one of one of my roles as technology services and skills lead is that we are to train well i am to train uh, one member of staff per 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 team within guide dogs so when we say per team per community team so per mobility team and one member of staff is to be a technology subject matter expert and they are either and you know requisition is they are a rehabilitation specialist so they work with cyp or they are an orientation mobility specialist or they are a gdmi we can have more than one but that is the absolute must we have to have one of those members of staff that understand sight loss and understand technology which then enables those conversations to happen and 
you know, as conversations progress with colleagues, information's being passed on and knowledge is spreading. And that's where hopefully we can, we can try and, you know, act on, on that coverage is that we have, you know, more knowledgeable members of staff across the country rather than just me sitting in Liverpool, you know, <laughs> we've actually got, got someone in Devon it, who needs yeah, technology. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be no good for me trying to, <laughs> it's almost a different time zone. <laughs> um, but in, so obviously in that case, in that is the case and someone from Devon can have a, have a, have a face-to-face or a phone call with somebody in the first instance and hopefully figure out if that's the case. So yeah, that's obviously a big, big part of my work is that network of, of those members of staff that, fingers crossed we'll be ready to start having those conversations you know later on in this year because obviously we've, we've we've just established the network and training them up and that, that's obviously easier said than done <laughs> when, you're, when you're trying to get 50 people pinned down yeah exactly so which is obviously another challenge of the role is is that whole finding when people are free <laughs> so yeah it, 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 it's you know interesting new role and it's going to be good to see where it helps, you know, take the future forward with, with guide dogs. But, I think that is exciting because, yeah. I mean, whether people like it or not, technology is huge now and, and our society is really built on a lot of technology. So it's good to see an organisation that's been around for a long time because guide dogs has, you know, and, and it's good to see them moving forward and saying, OK, well, we're not changing the core mission of what we're doing, but how do we add this technology into it? Exactly. And I think that's one of the key messages that, you know, because I can't speak for any other service bar, the, bar my own, but, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, public perception and things like that, and even the, the site loss community perception is that, you know, is this distracting from the guide dog service? I, I, no, it isn't. My perspective is that it's there to supplement and complement. It is there to work cohesively, work coincide and, and make sure there's collaboration that, uh, you know, everyone can work together and making sure that people can work independently and, you know, get out and about and using technology. I mean, it's just, you know, just this, uh, last year I've done some, you know, uh, class talks when people are obviously qualifying with their dogs and, you know, I've gone and done a few class talks in the Merseyside area and it's just, it's just, it's more interesting just to have those conversations and people go, oh, I can see how that would work or oh, that's brilliant. And, and there are some people that go, oh, I'm not interested at the minute. You know, that's totally fine because everyone's on different journeys. And that's the key point we need to remember as well is that actually on class is not going to be the perfect time for everyone, but it will be for some. But, you know, and, they, and know that they can pick up the phone at any time and have that conversation is also you know right and at least they know you know you guys are there yeah to ask that question hopefully <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> yeah no and that, that that's that's the key point you know is that whole very unique user journey and that anyone can pick the phone up any time because you know historically with any guide dog service is that you come into the system you have your interviews it were and your mobility assessments and those type of things happen and then that's it your journey has begun and at some point there might be a dog involved and you'll have aftercare whereas the technology service it's a case of before you even get a dog well do you want to talk about technology or do you want any assistance with that or actually once you've got the dog do you want to talk about technology or whenever it suits that person is that we can intervene and hopefully you know provide that support at the right time for what works for them because obviously it can be quite overwhelming to somebody again especially come back to that whole acquired site loss that customer journey you know that well, i hate the word term customer to be fair but you know <laughs> that service user journey can be so different across the board um and to ensure that you know we get them at the right time it's got to be best for for them 
you know and i think that's what's key is because when i qualified with my first dog in 2011 actually if you'd give me technology i would have actually been meh i'm not so bothered actually <laughs> but in 2014 when i started to travel a bit more with work and what have you actually that's when it became crucial and knowing if i could have had support there to talk me through it probably would have been a lot better but also at the same time i was a cocky 18 year old and actually no no one can tell me <laughs> I, I don't i can do this all on my own it's totally fine <laughs> um so but it's, and it's appreciating those transition phases too you know and, and people's perspectives can change and people's you know ideologies can change um and it's just being mindful that as much as someone from guide dogs might not communicate with you for a year actually you might have become vegan or you might have you know your whole life could have changed and it's being mindful of technology you can step in at any time and be that support yeah and how did you get into this role because if you weren't using technology before you said 2013 how did you end up in a job that technology is fundamental for it kind of goes back to when i was um goes back to high school territory actually when to be fair because Obviously, as I'm, as I'm sure you know, in, in the UK, you know, you, you, you're taught, you know, grade one, grade two, Braille and everything like that from, from a young age. And I remember having a conversation um, with, at the time, who was the head of vision support in our local authority when I was sitting down for my year nine sats. And he was going, you know, Braille isn't the future and you should really consider technology. And I was being that stubborn 14 year old of no. I like my braille go away <laughs> and I'm not having this conversation with you right now. And I remember actually getting upset and crying and thinking, this is terrible. How can you, how dare you say braille's dying and it's not going to be the thing. And, and then to be fair, my QTVI, so, you know, qualified teacher, visually impaired, actually sat me down after he had left and said he shouldn't have done it that way, but let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Let's find out what your real pros and cons are. And she really, opened up that whole conversation piece and we had a good conversation we talked it through and she went would you just try doing one paper in in you know on a laptop and I went I will try it then you know because she came back down to my level she spoke to me like an she spoke like an adult rather than him coming in and treat me like a child uh, you know 14 years of age because the last thing you want is to be treated like a child <laughs> um she spoke like an adult you know and we, we discussed it over a cup of tea i still remember i still remember the you know the, how it happened and i tried on a laptop and i went yeah, maybe i'm converted but don't tell him <laughs> um so i was converted and you know i'd already had a bit of laptop and touch typing training from like year five so i'd had a you know skill set but when someone was going no you're doing computer forever now and you can't say no it was very different but then when the opinion was changed and you know so i was getting used to like because obviously everyone loved supernova back then and dolphin and hal and all those fun things so, <laughs> so that was me getting to grips with technology was you know was that and i accepted it although to this day i still i don't detest assistive technology which is the, which is a strange thing i genuinely don't i find coping mechanisms and strategies to try and keep away from assistive technology as much as possible and that almost sounds hypocritical in the job role i'm in but uh, you know i've always uh, so my dad has always criticized me of screen sniffing so screen sniffing is obviously when you are just putting your eye on the screen and <laughs> using your residual vision just to look at whatever's on the screen and to read text and you know look at what you're doing um 
So in terms of that, you know, technology has always been an interesting little battle in my life. Uh, I've always wanted to be no different. Although actually, Martin, when you're sat there and you're screen sniffing, you look so much more different than everyone else. Why don't you sit back and listen to Jaws? Because I don't want to. <laughs> so, you know, singling yourself out and making yourself look more like an idiot. Um, and, but that's not the case. I, I, and it doesn't bother me. So what actually happened was I was studying to do sports coaching. Um, and I was going to go into sports development and that was my thing because I wanted to do sports because, you know, how normal was that? <laughs> I mean, you know, remembering what is the normal, you know, uh, quotations, you know, I wanted to do sports coaching like everybody else was doing at my time and in my year because I was in an all boys school. So okay. it was, yes, I want to go and do sports coaching. And I did it. It was fine. So that was another thing that I did. I, I youth, you know, I, did, I was a youth worker. I was a sports coach. I, you know, and I didn't just do you know disability which was always a shock to my p teachers of oh we really want to he's really good you know he he does every you know he'll work with any child regardless of mm-hmm. well yeah because it doesn't because there's still that perception of you know, you're disabled you got to work with disabled right right you've got to go into the disability <laughs> and then yeah. unfortunately so but well not unfortunately but so many of us do, <laughs> we do yeah. exactly and we end we end up having those conversations they go okay fine yeah. I'll, I'll go and help other people like me because it's, it's lovely stories that heartwarming yeah. and actually all you want to do is jump on a football pitch and go and kick hell out of somebody <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, know, you want a ball to bounce around and be like sorry yeah, I, I didn't see that ball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, so sports coaching, and and then I I uh, started a small job uh, when I was sixteen as a as a youth worker, and they had had computers fitted. But this time, I'd kind of realised that actually, you know, the career asp- aspirations of a youth worker and sports development coach actually be more realistic. It's not something you could live on forever, you know, career wise and even salary wise it was not something that could be sustainable for your whole career and that was when I sat back and I was like oh I don't think this is going to work long term uh, I had some other health conditions kicking off as well it was really just making me rethink everything right. and obviously being transitioned to doing the computer and the sats and I stayed with the computer then after that and um I, well, it was a natural thing, you know, technology seems okay. Shall we look at technology? <laughs> so this is, you know, so this, this is 2009. And mm. so I then, uh, I still remember actually, to be fair, one of my high school IT teachers, I said I wanted to do IT GCSE. And one of my, and he went, oh no, you can't do it. I was like, why can't I? Oh, it's very visual. It's very, and, and really just sort of just made it very dis- distaste, you know, left me with a, right really dissatisfied feeling but it was a bit of a fine okay I won't do that I'll just do business studies then I guess or whatever and so I I did you know I didn't do IT in the end at all but then I went to college um, and I still wanted to do IT so I went and did IT I went and did (laughs) uh, you know uh, HND um, A level so level level three in computing which covered everything from more than you know because it gcse apparently was just more about spreadsheets and actually i'd done everything from spreadsheets to event driven programming uh, you know for that and i was like okay no i can actually do this and it was more of a well actually i told you so <laughs> i could do it but you just wouldn't let me um so that was kind of where the ball started and so doing it then the youth club that i was working at then opened uh, they had a refit, you know, they had they had a bit of funding that came through and IT suite was installed uh, and they had no one to do anything with it. So they just said, oh, you're doing 
an IT qualification. Do you want to do it? Do you want to <laughs> take that on? I was like, okay, that works. Because it was a good little testing ground, a good little right. proving ground. And I was able to really test my knowledge and my skills and give it a good go and that was what I did I you know I took on that network as that, that little that little computer that little tiny computer suite and a computer network all that was all my own and no one else would you know had any say over and it was brilliant so you know little 17 year old me was was buzzing and I was like oh, this is amazing <laughs> you know turned into that little network manager that everyone hated <laughs> you know blocking websites and <laughs> so yeah and, and that's kind of where the whole IT career began so I, I stayed in mainstream IT until 2000, I say 2014, 2013. Okay. That was when I stayed in mainstream. So I did mainstream IT then uh, for a good few years. So that was then just gen- generic everything from field service engineer to um, network administration, server management, things like that. And I never, and again, the reason why I never touched system technology is because those type of environments and infrastructure back then is that well, JAWS and Supernova and ZoomText didn't really work very well in computer um, command line interfaces and things like that. So I had to go back to the tried and tested screen sniffing. So so I I hadn't, you know, picked it up. I couldn't be bothered with it because actually it would have hindered my actual job roles more than it would have helped. granted you know as time went on server infrastructure got better and you could start using magnifier inside like windows server and things like that and it got better but i still didn't really bother um and then i started work for a local merseyside charity just as their network administrator um just helping out a little bit more with their it and uh, but the managing director was um he was registered blind he had rp so obviously he was acquired so it was an interesting thing to see how he used technology and how he was how he used a lot of human assistance still um, right. and then one of the other uh, operations managers was blind so uh, he, he had toxoplasma infection so there was a lot of vi in that closed space and and actually seeing how people use technology differently made me start to think maybe we should be doing maybe i should be using technology better you know because i'm sat here as a network administrator of this organization and Actually, all these people are using technology. Well, I should be, I suppose. Right. <laughs> I should be advocating it. Um, so I picked up skill sets in that job role as doing websites, doing social media. So kind of in the end, before I left that role, I was doing everything from their website through their social media to just doing generic technical support and even running web you know, infrastructure projects, things like that. So it was fun. I, I loved that role. Uh, I then left that role in 2014 and I actually just gave up on IT altogether. I went and did uh, customer service. I went and worked for a company called Clear Channel Outdoor, which do outdoor advertisements and billboards and bus shelters. They're totally different. So different. So So I went and did, uh, I was a sales delivery executive, um, which basically meant I supported the sales guys on the ground when, when they were doing quotes or when they were doing um sales pitches you know you'd make sure that everything was ready for the for the you know their their, their sales decks and you know get their commissions on on the board and all that type of stuff so it was interesting it was really good very process driven very it has to be just done by this because obviously the people's commissions are relying on you making sure you did your job properly yeah. so it was a real intense environment which i loved but my brain was not being tested in a creative way um and that's when I applied to work at Guide Dogs um, in 2016. And um, I applied for a role. I didn't actually get the role, but the person that interviewed me 
liked me, which is always good when people like you. <laughs> um, and, he, and he said, he quote, you got a bit to offer. So <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. I got a bit to offer. So I was given um, a title of IS trainee, which was, you know, it was a bit of a, oh, really? Trainee? Um, but that title only lasted three months. <laughs> so, okay. so it wasn't too bad. So I was then put, so that trainee role was meant to have been going around all of Guide Dog's internal information mm-hmm. services teams seeing how the databases are done seeing how systems are run, technical support all that type of stuff um i started off in their assistive team so guide dogs uh, did have at the time an actual assistive technology team that supported okay. uh, vi colleagues within guide dogs oh, so okay. if people were using jaws or zoom text um and they were having issues there was a specific assistive technology team that would support mm-hmm. them and help them through their issues um that's where I started um but then uh, the the head of IS was like actually I think we got a bit more you could offer and you can work on and so I was seconded into a uh, a role called concept development which basically meant go and play with technology see what you see we can bring into the organization that already either already exists or something you can develop and create so I was playing with um like Amazon Alexa, for example, when that first launched in 2016, you know, playing with that and seeing if that could be useful in a guide dog's environment or seeing how uh, we could, you know, make things easier to work on maybe iPads and things like that. So it was it was a completely interesting role that meant I was playing with lots of tech and all for the best, you know, all for saving money and efficiency and doing the best we could for the organization and also having that lookout to service, uh, to service users um so that role was great fun um we did build an alexa skill you know a pilot skill for guide dogs which was quite good it was based on a forward magazine but we just we never got around to publishing it it was just one of those things that you know that sit on the shelf and then such a busy fast-paced environment you don't get a chance to implement things sometimes that uh, so that was that was a you know a good experience but then um i was offered a full-time business analyst role um, so business analyst is very different again so I did 50% business analyst and 50% concept development then for a year which basically meant a business analyst um, works with development teams so the ones that do the coding and the ones that build systems and do system architecture my job was to talk to the internal customers and see what is it you need in this system what is it you want how can we make your processes more efficient how can you know and obviously having technical uh, expertise to then help try and advise and make recommendations on new systems or new technologies that would be useful for them so did that for a bit and then this role came up that i'm in now and yeah so that as the rest as i say is history <laughs> so nice little whistle stop tour <laughs> <laughs> of guide dogs yeah yeah guide dogs and uh so yeah i've been at guide dogs now so it's obviously june 2016 so into my yeah you do the maths i'm into my into the fourth yes yeah <laughs> into the fourth year now so it's it's been great fun and you know what as a service user i always had that little tick in my head the little golden tick that as a milestone i always wanted to work inside the organization that gave me so much um you know to give back and and to actually step into the organization and and help more people that you know that and help reach more people that you know that's all i ever want to do is, is any work i've done was to try and help more people and you know realizing that guide dogs you can do that you know and, and especially right. developing a service such as technology services like i can 
you know, it can impact more people than I can even dream of um, helping in any other role. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting little journey and it's been awesome though. It's good to, as it stands, it's been a great career <laughs> and hopefully another, <laughs> another 30, 40 years to go. So yeah. still. So. <laughs> And do you think the fact that you're a technology user yourself and you actually benefit from guide dog services as well, do you think that helps you when you're developing this technology service? Totally. Yeah. So, cause I mean, I frustrate colleagues because my passion sometimes trips me up. Um, and so it's one of my, I'd say one of my good points, but also it's one of my lesser good points because my passion can sometimes overtake logic. Uh, <laughs> so um, when I'm designing things, passion just runs away with it, and it's like this is brilliant, this is amazing. Let's do, and then I start juggling plates, and that's never good for anyone to juggle plates. You want to help all the people you can, but passion and juggling plates is not the the best and easiest thing to do. But to actually answer that question in full, yeah, I think it's a, uh, you know, what I have said to people is I am only one visually impaired person. I can only tell you about my life experiences. I can only then therefore give recommendations based on what I know from life experience. So we still have to engage with other people with sight loss and experts that work with them. And that's the crucial point for all of this is I've always ensured that we've listened to feedback, listened to market research, listened to colleagues that work with 200 blind people a month, you know, making sure that as much as I am one voice, I don't consume the whole design process of the service. And that's something that I think you can take you away when you get into an, into an awesome position like this where you can help so many people is that you just run away with your own, you can run away with your own ideas and you can think you're doing the best thing because it's what you believe in. But be realistic that actually, again, you are that one person, you are one person with sight loss and you are trying to help 500,000 people and you want all of them. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it, it is useful to a degree and, you know, it's good to be a subject matter expert in some cases where people, where colleagues and come to me and ask me questions. But again, I always remind them I'm just one VI person. I'm, I'm not the rest of the world. So yeah it's being mindful not to fall off you know get on a pedestal and then someone knocks you off it's being mindful that actually we're all in it together and every opinion counts and also you know every because i occasionally like everyone else i can have the wrong opinion and my wrong opinion should still count because <laughs> it's it's still an opinion <laughs> you know and making sure it's part of those processes so yeah it's it's great to inf i think the key thing for, for this role it's good to influence change i think is is what i'd, I'd go with from it because it's I try not to let the design process consume me or consume my opinions, but it's good to influence um, and, and help make those strategic changes is probably a better answer to that. Well, and have service users working in an organisation too, I think is, is beneficial because it becomes then not just, this is for the blind people, you know, it, it, there's blind people who have control over what happens too, which is obviously needed as well. Yeah, totally. And, and that is, you know, that is totally key because, um, I've worked with a lot of colleagues in the sector. I've worked with a lot of colleagues in the organisation. And one thing that I'm, I'm liking at the minute, um, working with a lot of organisations such as RNIB and Thomas Parkinson Trust and what have you, is that that conversation is always real, is always live, is always, well, what is it the blind people want and need? And necessarily that's not been the conversation that's happened in the past. And, and you know, it's not a, a knock to anyone or anything like that, but it's good to hear it sat inside the organizations that that is what is people are rabbiting on about, which is amazing that they're rabbiting on about actually the blind people want that. Well, I don't know. Let's go ask them. <laughs> 
so yeah it, it is good to have and you know it's good to be a service user in in the fold and know what what's going on and to help drive change i think is is that is that key element because again you know i'm only one cog in that wheel but if i can make a difference then it's all positive and where do you see your job in the future i know this is a question i always think i ask and i'm like this is so difficult for people to answer um <laughs> yeah it's difficult to answer i think if you know if the technology service pays off um you know i've got to be realistic of how that might look because you know anything that happens now the technology service is reflective on myself and that's something i need to stand up and be counted um you know i can't go blaming anyone else if it doesn't go right or if it goes amazingly i can then stand and shout um no but it, it's being mindful that it, it will be created and developed on its own success um and it will continue to improve based on the foundations that we have built uh, and i say we because there are you know as much as leading the service there are a lot of colleagues that assist in you know help doing a lot of like the is databases and things like that that help us to, to build these services and systems so yeah i think where i see the role uh, is obviously just helping a lot more uh, visually impaired people across the country um, i see a lot more collaboration with uh, technology providers and helping them you know uh, make things right for people with, with sight loss um, i'd like to see um, so one of my own um, passions for this role is obviously once the project is complete and I'm left running it as business as usual is one of the things we need to tackle in the sector um, is we really need to drive it on campaigning for accessibility and digital inclusion so that is one thing that I am quite passionate about but obviously we, we don't have the credibility right now for us to jump up and say listen Pizza Hut your website is not accessible uh, I want to order pizza <laughs> it's, it's it, we don't necessarily have that credibility right now but when we have a good strong user base and we are able to have those conversations I think it's key that we, we can move forward and use a good strong user base that uh, are, are trained up that know what they're doing based on our service uh, our staff support and, and volunteer support is that it's crucial that we can then go yeah let's start having these conversations now and let's start make driving for a more inclusive digital landscape and i know there are a lot of organizations that are pushing for that like AbilityNet and, and google and apple and things like that which is brilliant to see those organizations strive for it but you know with the real service users on the doorstep you know we should be able to step in and, and help with those arguments and okay. really push yeah and really join it together and push forward you know digital inclusion is everything from you know banking to shopping and making sure you can get around and you know some organizations and companies are guilty of leaving accessibility to last or not even thinking about accessibility and you know that's another thing that i think of is you know where this role and the service will go down the road is you know accessibility needs to be part of the makeup and the design in the first instance it can't be left until a blind person complains that they all of a sudden can't use voiceover on national rail inquiries or whatever the case may be it should be first and foremost because that was one of the things that i you know i i was really passionate about when i was working as a business analyst within guide dogs was that when we uh, would do any request for tenders for new systems or anything like that i ensure that accessibility was right at the top you know that was for me was just as crucial as security for different reasons of course um 
but when you put when you're writing your requirement documents to say we need this and we want this and we need this and so um in business analysis you use the moscow structure which is uh, must should could would and accessibility was always must had to be there, there's no way there was no way i was going to sign off on a piece of work that where accessibility was a should or could or award it was an absolute must but that's something we should drive for in everyday life it shouldn't just be something that guide dogs are doing it should just it should be something that everyone does naturally of you know when you label a button on a on asda's website that it actually just says cart or <laughs> rather than button you know because i know that can obviously annoy anyone um so yeah that without sounding too far ahead and into the future i think that's exactly what guide dogs and this role and what this what i would like for is almost that evangelism of accessibility and digital inclusion and making sure that everyone's got access to everything they need which is you know crucially what matters most and independence is what guide dogs is all about and giving people you know the freedom of movement and making sure that people can get out and about and you know technology and digital inclusion is just one step on that ladder uh to independence so yeah i really hope that's what we we drive to continue to do and i can continue to do personally as my own you know uh goals and ambitions is to make things accessible and make the world a more techno technologically you know inclusive place for people with mm -hmm. sight loss and that sounds like a really positive hope for the future i mean we're using technology so much now and so much of it is digital and online so it it's crucial i mean for blind people to have the jobs it's you know you give someone a dog and that's great they're traveling but if they can't access anything within the community because it's all digital and it's not accessible then that there has to be that that support and that backup as well so i think that sounds really good um and like a really positive thing totally and i think that's something that no one in the sight loss sector or anyone that is a service user in the sight loss sector or, or anyone that you know will use a service in the future could ever ever say i don't agree with that um you know because i think that's it's you know it's it's something that would be almost become hypocritical and or you know it would be a silly message to then not convey i think you know and that is definitely the service user in me that is, is very passionate about making sure everything works and works for everyone you know and as i as I've mentioned, you know, I, I'm not really a major assistive technology user, but when I use it, you know, I become an omnivore and I will switch and I will move between voiceover on iPhone to smart invert or magnifier. And I will try and use every platform I can and not just only for myself, but to ensure I'm testing things, you know, to the right standard and for other people. Yeah. You know, it's, I have a good base knowledge of, you know, of, of that spectrum to say, okay, yeah, that, that works for someone who would use voiceover, but actually for smart invert, that's horrendous. For someone that needs a color, you know, color filters, or someone that needs needs large icons or large text, it's being able to to be aware of all of that, and you know, um, you know, and, and a phone is just one of those key elements that can obviously assist with that. So that's a good example. But yeah, you know, it's that that's that whole positive message. I think of digital inclusion and keep hammering that home really <laughs> yeah and, and you know the more skills we have the better off i think is is what yeah. it comes down to definitely so because i mean if you if you think back to, to to your journey obviously there was specialist training that was given to you mm -hmm. you know and, and same for me you know i was given one-to-one -one support doing touch typing i was given one-to-one -one support with jaws and, and and supernova and things like that when i wanted it yeah um 
but that just doesn't exist as much as it's used to. Yeah. And I think that's the sad thing about it. Is as, ba- as bad as the technology was in the 90s, <laughs> is actually the support was immense. Yes, uh, and as good as the technology has now become, the support necessarily isn't there. Mm. Or, you know, let's be, you know, be honest, because everyone tries to offer the support, people don't know it's there. Right. And it's that fine line of awareness and, you know, usability. Because it's all very good to support being there, but if you don't know it's there, <laughs> what, what what good is that? And I think that's a wider sight loss sector issue, yeah. which then comes back to the political thing, yeah. of, you know, <laughs> where, where where support is and where it isn't. Where it isn't, but, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to me. It's been really interesting. I really enjoyed finding out not only about your journey, but also what you're doing and, you know, this technology support that you're creating within Guide Dogs. I, know, so I appreciate it, uh, the opportunity and I think it's really good to be open and honest and you know and transparent about what not only my goals are but also what the likes of the sector should be up to and what we are doing and I think that sometimes is not doesn't always become clear sometimes you know when you see brand campaigns yes. or, or uh, messages that appear on social media and you think oh god what are they actually up to and you know there's, there's, it's not just about <laughs> you know moving messages from one thing to another it's it, you know it, there are a lot of critical things that are going on just to try and make the support right yeah. um, and I think that's what matters to me most is ensuring that everyone is aware of the support and what can be achieved and I think you know, from the personal thing is I see a lot of things, again, social media, because, you know, that seems to be a place where everyone lives lately, <laughs> is, you know, there's always a lot of questions about, oh, what do you do for work? Does anyone with sight loss actually have a job? And <laughs> I think it's those key points of going, look, guys, yeah, it's so doable. And if my varied experience of youth worker to sports development to IT technician to <laughs> whatever the hell I'm up to now is nothing to go by. I, you know, I know there's solicitors out there. I know there's, you know, I, I know there's uh, music engineers and things like that. There's broadcasters, there's journalists, right. there's plenty of opportunity for anyone to tap into. And I think it all stems, you know, to the foundations of knowing that it's doable and it is achievable and ignoring those teachers that said you couldn't do that and yeah and and ignoring those you couldn't or you can't as and and just actually prove in your own ability and you know believe in your own ability and that old cliche of you know remove the discs and look focus on the ability it's all about that you know that's what needs to be pushed within the sight loss sector especially people that are such a young age looking at technology and looking at things like that is there are so many opportunities that will come up in the future. And I think that that's the key point is technology. If it's embraced can, can lead to a wealth of opportunities, you know, not just personally, but in work and in, in everyday life. And that's, you know, I think that one of the biggest points I definitely want to push to anyone that might be listening um, is just, just do it yeah, <laughs> just do, do it, it. yeah exactly say. like or at least yeah. try don't give up exactly. because someone told you you couldn't yeah and also at least try and you know what if you fall over doing it in the process hey you've tried yeah. and there'll be a lesson learned in that and actually if you fall over try again because it could have it could have been you know it could have been you know any any variable that's gone wrong right. speaking from many experiences yeah. <laughs> where things have not gone right you just get back up and keep pedaling you know and i think that's that's definitely something that 
you can you know you, that whole live by the sword die by the sword type of thing yeah. if you're willing to do it give it a go and have have faith and have confidence because anything is anything's possible <laughs> yeah yeah that's so true yeah. well thank you so much yeah all right no worries thank you very much Thanks for listening to Working Blind. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. For more of my advocacy initiatives, including my blog, visit my website, http colon slash slash catchthesewords.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at catchthesewords. That's C-A-T-C-H-T-H-E-S-E-W-O-R-D-S. If you have any comments or feedback, please email me holly at catchthesewords.com.